and uh, pull out your worship guide notes. You guys can track along with the message this morning. We have been in a Christmas series uh, called uh, Come to Worship. Can everyone say worship this morning? All right, that's awesome. Uh, I like to hear you guys' voices. Uh, we're in a series called Come to Worship. And really quick, I need to put this out there. Um, our worship team has been doing, in my opinion, a phenomenal job. You guys give it up for the worship team for the past few months. It is cool. Uh, we were just back there, and I was just kind of talking with them, giving them kudos to that. One of the cool things about worship, um, it's awesome when you have a great-sounding worship team and production team out in, in the back. Um, but what's even cooler when it comes to worship is when we get to hear your voices. And so if you have noticed, there's been times where we have kind of dropped out just so we can hear your voices. And it is amazing when you guys enter worship with us, uh, God can do some amazing things with that. So kudos to you guys. You guys sound awesome, even if you don't think you sound great great. We can't hear you. And so, but we can hear kind of together the choir of the body of Christ here this morning. So it's really good to hear your voice. So keep it up with that. Um, but I got to use that to segue into our production team. Can you guys get up for our production team in the back, back there? That's awesome. Um, they're the team that uh, when things go right, you don't notice them, but when things go wrong, everyone looks back there and glares at them. Uh, and so they are under, uh, they do a really, really great job. Um, and I need to let you guys know, uh, we do have some spots available. If, this is, if that is something, you're not serving here at the Rock Church, that might be a great fit for you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you know computers or not. Uh, everything is trainable. Everything is really easy uh, to use. So if you like to think of, maybe I can plug in on media team, run the lyrics and those things, or I can run the soundboard. That's kind of where we need some help with right now is with our soundboard. Um, if you are interested in learning that it's super easy to learn um, come talk to myself come talk to Angie our worship director down here um, and we can let you know how that goes uh, we're looking for people uh, if you just want to serve just once a month it, it helps us out tremendously um, and so then it's all part of worship and that's why we're really in this series talking about come uh, to worship over the past few weeks we have been looking at different uh, postures of worship postures of worship that we really see in the nativity scene does anyone have their nativity scene up yet right now does anyone here not have a nativity scene, don't raise your hands. It's okay. We're not going to call you out. We've got a couple of nativity scenes. I've talked about them a little bit. Um, I have a very unbiblical nativity scene, meaning that it's made up of all bears. Um, and so <laughs> you guys got my jokes. Thank you over here. Uh, but yeah, super unbiblical because there weren't bears, um, but we put that away. Uh, but that's up there. The kids like that one. And then I've got one that I, we got when we got married, and it was this really nice, uh, expensive nativity set that we got from my grandmother. Uh, and it's one of those kind of experiencing, uh, ex experiential nativity set, meaning that you can, uh, it's got real gold in it, real frankincense, real myrrh. You can break them apart, smell the spices and everything. And it's a learning experience. Uh, but this year, we've noticed that over the past few years, uh, Mary and Joseph and a few wise men have experienced some very traumatic injuries. Um, I don't know what's been happening or not, but uh, we found out baby Jesus doesn't have a manger to sleep in. So <laughs> what's worse than being born in a manger, sleeping on the kitchen counter at Farnbrook's house? Um, so that's where Jesus is at right now. Mary is actually missing an arm. Um, I don't know how that happened. We've been praying for healing. Nothing's happened yet. We're really praying for that one. Uh, and we don't know where Joseph's at. Uh, he's, he was there, then he's gone. We don't, he, it's kind of, that's very biblical, right? We, <laughs> nativity story. And so, um, and then the shepherds are there. Uh, the wise men are there. But the most important thing, the gifts are still there. So we're still good to go. My kids haven't cashed in the real gold yet. Uh, so they're there. But uh, we've been looking at the nativity scene uh, where we're looking at various different postures of worship. The first week we talked about uh, lifting our hands, 
week two, we talked about bringing uh, and giving our gifts as an act of worship. Um, last week, we talked about pouring out our hearts and worship as we make Jesus our refuge. And today, we're going to talk about bowing our knees and worship. Bowing our knees and worship. So if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We got some free ones in the back for you. You can grab one on your way out. Um, they're also in your worship guide notes as long as the screen's behind me. Uh, but we've been reading this piece of scripture from various gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All they are just biographies of Jesus Christ. And we've been reading this piece of scripture. And this one of Matthew describes a scene and a posture of worship that we're going to discuss. So let's jump right in. We're going to go ahead and read it. And it says this, starting at verse 10. It says, when they, they meaning the wise men, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Everyone say joy. Joy. Uh, I had you say that thinking I'm going to expound on that. I'm actually not because I can get on a soapbox talking about how Christians can be filled with joy. You just listen to previous messages. They're all recorded. You can hear about how we need to have more joy in our life, especially during this Christmas season. But it goes on in verse 11. It says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, some backstory to this, and maybe just a little history lesson. I don't know if you guys have ever studied uh, this scene, what we call the nativity scene. Uh, majority of biblical scholars believe that this particular scene, uh, we believe Jesus is actually to be around two years old. He's, he's about a toddler during this time when the wise men actually found him at his house. So I know we have the nativity scene that shows cute, quaint baby Jesus um, in a very clean manger, uh, free of donkey poop and all that stuff. Uh, you know, everything's peaceful. Mary is looking perfect as always after giving birth to a baby. Um, and if you, if you guys know, that doesn't happen after you give birth to a child. It's very messy and traumatic, and it can, it's just a lot of stuff. Especially, uh, hey, there's no room at the end, Mary, and there's no doctor, so guess what? We're going to go to the barn outside of town, and uh, you're going to have to just, you know, deliver him on some hay, you know? Um, it's not the very uh, prettiest of pictures, but this one right here, the wise men found Jesus, and he's actually a toddler, which I find super interesting because the nativity scene, it shows the wise men around a baby, right? Um, how many of you guys know um, toddlers can, um, they're not cute, like, I like my toddlers, but they're not clean, and they're not quiet, and they like to mess things up. I have three kids, all under the age of five, and somehow I am still saved and following Jesus, um, which is a miracle. Uh, but we have three kids at the end of the age of five, and Brooklyn is our youngest, being around 14 months, and so we have been blessed in the season of having a toddler in our house for like about the last five years. And so, uh, and truly be honest, before I had kids, um, I was kind of judgy about other parents. Now, don't judge me because before you had kids, you were judgy too. Meaning, we were out at the restaurant and I saw a toddler throwing a fit, throwing their mashed potatoes, and I'm like, that parent needs to get their act together, right? Uh, or I was at Walmart and the toddler is screaming their heads off. And I'm like, my goodness, like, man, you know what? When I'm a parent, how many of you guys started that line, right? When I'm a parent, I'm going to get it right. And so I'm going to start reading the books. I'm going to start watching the videos. I'm going to get the coaching. And I'm going to do all of this stuff. And guess what? When I was about to find out that I was going to be a parent, you know what I did? 
I watched the videos. I read the books. I got the coaching. I said, I've got this in the bag. And it was cute until they turned two. And they started doing things that just, it just, they're just like miniature hulks on Red Bull is what they are. They, they're so small, but they seem to be so much stronger in real life. It is the, it is the crazy thing. At any time, they're going to hulk out from a ridiculous reason and just blow up and begin to wreck everything in sight. It is, it is nuts. On top of that, I have found out that I thought I had patience until I had toddlers in my house. I have found out my kids are like little kingpins, little mobsters, if you will, that will just bake Christmas cookies, and they would just want one. And of course, I'm a good parent, so I give them one. But they just don't want one. They want five. And so you know what we do as good parents? We say, no, and you can wait. So do you know what they do? They have learned this. Oh, it is so manipulative, but this is what my toddlers do. One will throw a fit across from the house. We will have to go see what they're crying about. While we are away checking on kid number two, kid number one, the oldest and the tallest, goes in there, steals 10 cookies. You know why 10? Because she gets five and Micah gets five. When we come back, we only have two cookies out of the dozen that we baked. What's happening? And Brooklyn is just sitting there as cute as ever, trying to distract us from the whole deal. Like, like toddlers know how to do this. It, 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 is, it is the crazy thing. I mean, toddlers, they're, they're, they're gross. Their noses are always filled and draining with something. I mean, they just do something just disgusting. Uh, they're the only ones that I know that will just, like, make eye contact with you and just, like, tighten their lip a little bit and just drop one in their pants. Like, it's the most awkward. Has any parents experienced this? Like, are you pooping your pants? Can you talk with me? Like, can you, like, not stare at me while you do this? It's just, it's weird. And then they're like, hey, I, I went potty in my pants. I'm like, I know. I know the toilet was right there, but you decided to do it here. Ah, Jill, I've got to go, i got to go do something really quick. <laughs> Dads, you've done that. I've done that plenty of times. Oh, man. Now, I don't know if toddler Jesus was like this at all. But I like to think that he gave Mary and Joseph a run for their money because he was a toddler. And it makes me feel better about my parenting. Anyone with me, right? But I have to say this. I think it's a miracle in itself that full-grown wise men would bow down to a toddler and begin to worship him. I mean, these wise men, they weren't dumb men. They were called wise men, right? So they knew what they were doing. They knew who they were seeking. They, they've read the prophecies. They, they, they sought out scholars. They went to King Herod's and said, hey, we got a little lost. Uh, can you bust out your, uh, your Jewish prophecies? Can you tell us where this uh, king of the Jews is going to be born? Like, they knew who they were seeking. And when they came to the house, they saw a toddler Jesus. And, man, there was something there that they, like, I, we found him. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. And it says that they were overjoyed and they bowed down to worship him. I want to talk to you today about bowing down and worshiping Jesus, bending our knees, kneeling to Jesus in our worship. Kneeling in worship is something that we definitely, I think, we don't do enough. 
Kneeling is actually something very counterculture in our American ways. Kneeling is something that's so far beyond when it comes, when we think of church and worship, we don't think of kneeling. In fact, I kind of did a little bit more studying, um, and this is not scholarly at all, um, but I found out, men, we kneel two times in our life. You know what two times we kneel? The day we propose, I didn't even do that. Oh, I know, that was bad. But ask Jill the story, it was cute and it was romantic, okay? It worked. So we kneel to propose, and we kneel for our sports pictures. You know what I'm talking about. You've got the football, and you're kind of like, you're like <laughs> manly. Right? We, we do that. That's the only times we know. And, and I even kind of just studied women just a little bit. Women, they don't kneel at all. Even in pictures, they don't kneel. In fact, you know what they do? They, they pop. I found this out from my nieces. They pop. Because their natural reaction to pictures, and I don't know why you women do this, but men, we just, we stand there and we smile, right? It's just, you know, pictures. Women, they have to do this little deal. <laughs> like, they, they pop their leg and their butt goes this way and their knee goes this way, and they're like all contorted like. It's, just, it's, it's the weirdest thing. It's, it's, it's this weird phenomenon that women do. Like, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You see in all the pictures. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or 100. You all do it. It's the craziest things. But, but kneeling is something that even in us, we don't do naturally. We don't kneel. And, you know, we pick on them. But when it really comes to kneeling, we don't kneel in our culture. In fact, we don't even bow down in our culture. And there could be tons of reasons as to why we don't do this. But I think the big one is, is kind of our pride. Because when you kneel or when you bow, it's actually an act of submission. And when it comes to our worship in Jesus, kneeling seems a little bit beyond us or maybe below us because it's not the American way. I mean, think about it. When you kneel or bow, it's a sign of saying, you know, you're greater and I'm less. And there's another reason that I'll talk about here in a moment, but I just want to take a few moments this morning and I want to share a few reasons that when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to our worship, especially during this time of Christmas, we should be drawn to our knees before Jesus Christ. That we should be drawn to our knees before Jesus. There's a psalm in chapter 95, and it gives us a reason, or I guess if there was, uh, if we needed a reason about, Psalms 95 would actually give us that. This is what it says, this, 95 starting at verse 6 through 7. It says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people. He watches over us, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. I guess that would be my, 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 my ask for you as the pastor you're listening to today is would you listen to God's voice? And as you listen to God's voice, would your natural response to be bowing down before him? And in fact, I've just got a few ways that I think we, we kind of just need to, to bow down. Really quick, a word study for kneel and bowing down comes this Hebrew word. It's this act of worship. It's mentioned over 170 times in the Bible. It's this Hebrew word of shakah. Shakah. It sounds kind of weird, I know, right? But, but it's this word of not just like bowing down. When we think of bow, we think of kind of like, you know, we bow down. This term that when we talk about kneeling and bowing down, it means to fall on your face, to lay completely on the ground, nose touching the carpet. 
It is the lowest point that your body can physically do to get as close to the ground. And the Bible says that should be a natural response in our worship to Jesus. In Scripture, we read stories of people falling on their faces because of God. Not because of just God, but people all over the Bible fall on their faces before God because of God's holiness and glory. Man, if there's something that's not talked about a lot today, I think it's about teaching about God's holiness and God's glory. I think we've kind of... Um, this might sound kind of bad. Please don't take this out of context. We've kind of dumbed Jesus down to just being this cool friend that we have. And Jesus is our friend, amen? Like we can go to him and have a personal relationship, but do not forget that he is the son of God and he has all the glory and honor and praise. That comes with the title, king of my life. I mean, that's, that, that's who we're, 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 we're stories of God's holiness and glory. It's so great. People can't even handle We read of Moses. He asked to see God's face, and God said, you know what? You can't handle my glory, Moses. In fact, here's, here's what I can do for you is you, you turn away from me. I'm going to pass by you really quick, and, like, my after effects, like, you, that's what you can see. It's kind of like seeing the tail of a, of a kind of a, of a monster that you've been wanting to see for a while, but, but you can only just get a little glimpse, and that's all you can handle. And so Moses, he's like, okay, I'll do that. And God passed by super quick. And Moses turned around and kind of saw God's glory of after he, he walked by him. And Moses, kind of, in fact, his face, it has shown like a light because of God's glory. I mean, that just shows, I mean, if, if we think we know God's glory, just wait until you see God's glory. You read stories like that. You read in the Old Testament where, where priests had to go in the temple called the Holy of Holies where one time a year a priest would have to go in and, and do their job and really they're being the presence of the holy God. And the Jewish people outside the temple were so scared because of God's holiness, they actually tied a rope around his waist. And so when the priest goes in there and they hear a big thump, they know the priest died and they had to pull him out with a rope because they know if they went in there to get him out, they would die too. Now, thankfully, we don't have to go through that anymore. Amen, church? Like, we don't have to deal with that. It, 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 we don't have to uh, roll with, with, with that sort of stuff. But what I think we don't do enough today, because of God's glory and awesomeness and, and, and the prestige, just all the things that come with, with, with God and having a personal relationship, I don't think we give him enough credit when we talk about submiss, uh, submitting to him and bowing our life before him, and actually physically bowing, being on our faces. Here's something interesting. There isn't one scripture in the Bible where God himself asks us to bow before him. Did you know that? Not one, not one scripture. Now, there are scriptures from other people saying, hey, you should bow to God, right? Like, like you should do that. But God himself, he's never saying, he never says, thou shall bow to me. And what he does say, he says, don't bow to other idols, don't bow to them. It's almost as if God knew that bowing down should be our natural response of being in his presence. Now, I said it before, and I'll say it a few more times, that kneeling isn't a natural thing we do. And since it isn't natural, I'm going to give you just three quick reasons why I think we should bow. Why I think there should be times in our life we are face down to the ground before God. And here's some reasons. Reason number one is this, is we kneel to Jesus in pursuit. 
We kneel to Jesus in pursuit. There's a Bible story of a man. He was super, super rich, and he had everything, but yet he felt like he was still missing something. And look at what he does. He says this in Mark uh, chapter 10 and 17. It says, as Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem, a man came up, run, came up to him, knelt down, and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, I have read this story countless of times. I have preached on this story countless of times, and I've always focused on the question of, you know, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I've always kind of just read over the posture that he had when he asked this question. You see, we read of a story, he's not just face-to-face, -face, but he's actually, again, the word shakah, this is right here, he's on his face in the gravel asking Jesus, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the fact is, is that he's face down. He knew something was missing in his life, and whatever he was missing, it was bad enough that he had to go to Jesus and be on his face as an act of desperation. Let me ask this question. In your pursuit of God, how desperate are you? In your pursuit of Jesus Christ, how desperate are you? Because for me, if my desperation for Jesus is anything less than my desperation for the things of this world, I'm in trouble. Especially when it comes to Christmas, because if there's ever a desperate holiday, Christmas is it. It starts right after Thanksgiving. You just want to see desperate people go to Black Friday. That's cool. Get those deals, right? It's awesome. But when it comes to the part where you thinking, you know what, I need to skip this little after holiday with my family and I need to get in line for that flat screen TV when I already have six of them. I'm just preaching. I'm just talking up here. I'm preaching to myself. So if you've got six TV, TVs, you need a seventh one, do you, right? But here's the thing. If your desperation goes towards the material things of this world, and your desperation for Jesus Christ goes way down, which is the reason why we celebrate Christmas, you're missing it. You're missing it. How desperate are your pursuit? Because let me tell you, we've got to be face down in our pursuit of Jesus. We have to be at his feet saying, Lord, what would you have me do? God, what do you want me to do? Some of you might be in the same boat as this rich guy right here, that you have everything, but you know you're missing something. What are you missing? Maybe you're on this faith journey, and you're trying to figure out, what is my role with this guy named Jesus? Is this guy named Jesus, is he actually going to be a vital part of my life? Is this something that I want to be a part of? Is my Christian faith, is that something important to me? Or maybe you're experiencing all sorts of different faiths, and you're checking this one out, just saying, maybe this is just the one. I might submit this to you, is maybe you should just be face down and ask Jesus. In desperation. But be prepared because scripture says when you draw near to God, he's gonna draw near to you. So during this Christmas season, kneel to God in your pursuit of him. Even as you pray and try to figure out this whole God thing, maybe just saying, Jesus, if you're really there, would you show me? Would you let me know? And let me tell you, God will let you know that he is the real deal.
that Jesus is the real deal. So you got to kneel in pursuit. Some of, some of us today, we might kneel in a different reason. This is number two, is we kneel to Jesus in repentance. Repentance is a very churchy word that just means to ask for forgiveness and to turn 180, meaning that you were heading in this direction and you realize that you were wrong and so you ask for forgiveness and you turn the opposite way and you go this way. That is the picture of repentance. And the fact is, is that there isn't really one of us in this room that's inherently good. Be encouraged. Thank you for being at the Rock Church, right? But really, that's kind of the fact of it, is that humans, we're not naturally good. That's why there's evil in the world. We talked about that for about four weeks when we did our series back in October called the It's in the End of the World as We Know It. We talked about as humans, we're not inherently good. That we're actually, we do bad things. We have, we have sinned. We've done bad against people that we love, people that we care about. And even we've done bad against Jesus himself. Even me as a pastor, I have been there. Even as adults, we do things that break the heart of God. And we know this, and I say this during worship, that Christmas is a magnifier. That if things are going good during this season, it's going to feel really, really good. But if you have done something that breaks the heart of God, or even just you've broken someone else's heart in your life, you really feel it during Christmas, don't you? You just, you, you feel that. It's in your heart. And you're feeling shame and guilt and what we Christians is called conviction. That, hey, you've done wrong. You need to fix it. You really feel that during, during Christmas. I would suggest this, is that in this time, kneel to God in repentance. Kneel to God. And this is why Jesus is the only one that can truly forgive you. He's the only one. He's the only one that can forgive you. There's another Bible story in Luke. If you want to turn to uh, Luke, I'm going to give you the chapter here pretty quick because my notes went down on me. There's a story of a guy who knelt in repentance, and it's this guy by the name of Peter. Uh, Peter, he fishes for a living, and he's out on this boat, and Jesus is on the shore. And Jesus hollers out, he says, hey, uh, throw your net on the other side. And the, and the reason why this story is kind of interesting is because Peter, he fishes for a living. He's a commercial fisherman. And so if you guys have ever been to Israel with me or if you go to Israel with me, uh, you actually get to be on a boat that is a replica of what they, may ha- that, what they might have fished on on the Sea of Galilee. And these boats, they're not the biggest boats. I mean, they're cool-looking boats, but they're, they're kind of narrow. They're only about as wide as, like, the section of these chairs, really. And so Peter, he, he's fishing on a boat about this big, and he's casting a net on one side. And this guy on the shore has the audacity to say, hey, you're doing it wrong. Throw your net on the other side. Now, a commercial fisherman knows, hey, fish are dumb. If there's no fishies here, there's not going to be any fish over here. There's no fish in the world that says, I cast a net. And they're like, oh, the net's coming. Come on, swim over here. He's going this way. Come swim over there. Like, Peter knows this. And he's like, what is this guy talking about? But he's like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of just kind of please him, and I'm going to throw the net on the other side, and he'll be the one that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll stick to carpentry, and you stick to fishing, right, type deal. But when Peter pulls up the net, Scripture says that the nets were just overflowing with fish, so much so that the net actually 
broke. Now, what, what, what's, what's the reason of this story? Luke 5, 8, he says this. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, that the, the, all the fish and the nets broke, and he, like this guy was actually right, he fell on his knees before Jesus. Why? Because he knew he was Jesus, and he knew what he has done was wrong. He says, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I'm such a sinful man. It's an act of repentance, church. And here's the cool thing about Jesus. Jesus will never, ever, 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 ever turn away from a repentant heart. Never, ever. I don't care how bad you think you are. If you come before Jesus with a repentant heart, he'll never turn away from you. At all. Some of you are here, you're surprised, maybe you're in church. I've met people, I've talked with a few of you, you're like, man, I never stepped foot in church because I thought as soon as I sit down, the lightning would come down, I'm evaporated, right? right? Some of you feel like that, I've talked with you. But here you are, you're still here. You know why? Because you came with a repentant heart. And you wanted to make things right. And Jesus heard the cry of your soul. He met you in your mess. I mean, that's how cool Jesus is. That's really how good God is. Some of you, maybe you're feeling so uncomfortable because of the wrong you did in a way so much, you don't know if you should be here or not. Let, let me tell you this. This is exactly where you need to be if you've done anything wrong. You need to be in the presence of God. The presence of God is not just reserved for those who think they are righteous and holy. Because let me tell you, they're missing the presence of God. The presence of God is for those who are saying, Lord, here I am, would you make me clean? Would you forgive me? I have been in the presence of God and I have asked forgiveness a thousand times and I'll be truly honest with you, there's gonna be a thousand more times that I will be in God's presence and saying, God, would you forgive me yet again? And let me tell you, he will. He'll forgive you every time. Not because you deserve it. Not because I deserve it. But because God is that faithful. And he loves you that much. The Bible says you can confess your wrongdoings before Jesus. And it says that he is faithful and just in forgiving you. And in return, he gives you purpose. Oh, that's so good when you know you're living in purpose. Peter, he fished for a living. He came to know Jesus. He confessed his wrongdoings. We just heard his story. And Jesus, after that, used Peter, this dumb guy that fished. Like, if you read Peter's story, you'd like, he's the guy that puts his foot in his mouth all the time. Like, this is Peter. But Jesus uses Peter to build his church that we have today. I mean, if you think you are so off from God, look at Peter's life and see what Jesus did with him. How much more can Jesus do with you? Come on, church. If you think you are so bad, and you've done so much thing, just so much wrong, just come in the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, would you forgive me? And he will, and allow him to use you, and be prepared to live in your purpose and your calling. And that's what waits for you. Kneel before Jesus in repentance, receive his forgiveness, because when you kneel before Jesus, he will give you the strength to stand in this world. He truly will. And it's amazing when that happens.
Here's the last point. We need to kneel in Jesus in our pursuit and repentance, but this is kind of the, the big one. This is kind of the, 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 the kind of uppercut after the right hook. If you guys know boxing, right, get the uppercut, and then there's the knockout punch. This is it for you, so be prepared. All right, this is the big one. This is it. This is it. We kneel to Jesus in submission. We kneel to Jesus in submission. I'm going to share something that I don't think I've ever shared from the platform and I'm a little nervous in sharing this with you. And some of you guys are tuning in like, oh man, he's going to drop some truth on us right now. I am not. I am not. I'm going to share something about me. And this could be wrong. I don't know. Don't send me any emails. But there is a, a unique sport that I actually like watching. And it's the sport of UFC. Ah, oh, you're a sinner too. That's good. It's awesome. It's great. And I don't know what, what with UFC, but there's something about in the sport where it's just brute force against brute force. I mean, I never did this sport. I don't think if this whole preaching thing doesn't work, I don't think I would ever go into it because I don't like getting beat up. But there's just something about it. Like in high school, there's something about like you just want to like, I want to be, I want to show my strength. And so I did wrestling. Because wrestling is really kind of an individual sport. You're, you're matched with a guy who's kind of same weight, same height. And, and really, your whole job is to get them pinned down. But in UFC, you don't get to be pinned down. And you don't get to, you know, just when both your shoulders touch the mat, then, oh, good, the other guy won. In UFC, there's, your goal is to get this guy to tap out. I mean, has anyone seen, like, an, 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 an MMMMMMA? <laughs> MMA, you can raise your hands. It's okay. Your pastor sees it. It's all right. But, but they, like these guys, like they, they do these holds on these people. Like, like one of the most painful ones that I have seen is, is this guy did like this reverse arm bar on this guy. And you can see his muscles and his shoulders stretching out and they're about to pop out. And this guy is like, no, no, I'm like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win this thing. And then the pain gets so bad, he does this. He, he goes like that. And as soon as someone does that, in UFC, game over. He tapped out. He's done. He's done messing with this guy that clearly had the upper strength, that clearly had the authority, that clearly was more powerful than him. And he says, I've had enough. I submit. You are better than myself. I said this in the beginning of the message. Every culture besides the American culture has an act of submission in the form of bowing or kneeling. The Europeans, they curtsy before royalty. The Asians, they, 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 they bow down before the elderly and the leaders of corporations or the, in their community. Even in the Middle East, the, the Muslims, they get on their face several times a day praying to their God. We believe that Jesus is Lord, so please keep that in context, please. But even when it comes to the American church, we don't bow down. Let me say it this way. We refuse to tap out to God. We refuse to tap out. In fact, some of you, you are in a wrestling match with God right now. And you're feeling like you're just being pulled apart and you're under the pressure and everything you tried to, to fix it, you tried to do a counter move, it seems like there's another counter move and you're just, you're exhausting yourself and it's like the third or fourth round and you're just, it's, it's getting bloody and it's not looking pretty and you're about to, you just don't know what to do but you don't want to tap out because people have taught you don't tap out. 
Let me tell you this morning, you need to submit to God. You need to kneel to God. Even Jesus points this out to us. Even Jesus had to submit to God. Isn't that kind of crazy to think like that? Let me share the story with you, one of the last verses of today. Luke 22, he says this, he, meaning Jesus, Jesus walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down. He bowed down to pray. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Man, that shows kind of a little bit of humanity of Jesus, doesn't it? But he says something that I think we forget in our prayers. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. We're really good at the first part. Lord, take this from me. I hate this. Like, I I don't want to wrestle anymore. I'm tired of this. But we don't finish it up with God, but I want your will in my life, not not my own. Because we walk away from these wrestling matches still thinking that, yeah, I've got the upper hand. Yeah, I'm good to go. I'm in control. Even Jesus had to kneel down submission and traded his own will for God the Father's will. And this is why we say all the time, kneeling to pray is often what gives us the strength to stand. There's so much in the posture of bowing before God, bowing before Jesus. But bowing can be a little bit hard because you are really saying, Jesus, you're better than I am. You're stronger than I am. You know more than I do. You have more control over this life than I do. God, you are greater and I am less. Now, let me share this last little sub point with you. And we're going into just a little time of worship. This last little point is going to come off brash, but I, I, need, to, I need to say this because I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't. And it is truth, and you need to know this. You, you have a choice in kneeling before God. And you can make the choice to submit now by your own choice, your own free will, and saying, God, yes, like you're better than I am. Or you can do it by force later. And it's so hard because there are so many, even Christians, we, we, we forget this part of Scripture. That in Philippians chapter 2, it says, you know, there's going to be a time when all this is gone and, and faded and we're all going to be standing before God. And those who kneeled by choice are going to be on this side. They're going to be celebrating. And they're going to be praising Jesus. But there's going to be a whole other side that are going to be forced to their knees. And they're going to have this horrible feeling in their stomach, looking at God and all his glory and saying, I missed it. You see, here's, here's the thing about hell. Hell is much more than just the torment and all the, all the horrible things that happen there. But I think one of the worst parts of hell is knowing fully who God is, but you didn't kneel by your own choice. And because you missed it, you know what you could have had, but you don't have it. And so there's only two things this morning. And I know it's Christmas and there's a lot, you know, you know joy to the world and we sing these awesome songs and they're, they're great. I love these songs. But the reason why Christians sing those songs is because we've made the choice to kneel 
to God by choice. So we can sing these songs and be serious about it. But for those of us that just sing these songs just because that's what tradition says, don't miss it this season. I want you to be in the presence of God. And I want you to kneel by choice on your face before Jesus because a lot of people miss this our God never asked us to bow before him but I would come before you and suggest this we celebrate Christmas because Jesus came from his throne in heaven to be born as a baby to live a perfect life to die a sinner's death that he did not deserve he rose three days later he defeated death so that any of us can call on the name of the holy and wonderful name of Jesus Christ and have eternal life only through him. That is the gospel plainly put. But you have to make a choice because he's not going to force you now to bow. But you can have that choice. You can kneel now or you can kneel later. If you can bow your heads. Father, I want us to be a people that would come to worship you. Not just in a building like this. It's easy to worship in a building like this. We've got the lights, we got the band, we've got the, the tingly sensation that we get when things seem good. But Lord, I think the powerful worship begins in our life starting Monday through Saturday. When we're in the muck, we're in the mud, we're in the fights, we're in the arguments, we see social media, we see how the world is going. Lord, I pray we would be a people that we wouldn't respond in a worldly manner, but rather we would respond in a manner of worshiping you. Because Lord, none of this catches you off guard. You're still in control. And so, Lord, maybe over the next few moments as we come before you, there's going to be a lot of different postures of worship. Maybe we're going to lift our hands. Maybe we're going to pour out our hearts. Maybe we're going to bend our knees. But whatever it might be, God, would you meet us in this place? And I ask that knowing fully well that you are because it says when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So Lord, this Sunday before Christmas, all the families here, families are coming, getting ready with the presents and the gifts, and it's a really exciting time. Lord, would we take the next few moments and just be caught up in your presence. Meet you in this place. Church, will you stand and worship with us?